Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? Have you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters! Ghostbusters. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you! Count of three, go on two, one, two, hello, and welcome to Ready to Believe You, a Ghostbusters podcast. The only podcast where we lost the firehouse. It's a Starbucks now. <sighs> I'm Nick Lathan. And I'm Rip Camalucci. Ah, and this week we're talking, the wait is finally over, we saw it, Ghostbusters Afterlife. And Rip, uh, in, in regard to the Halloween Kills episode, what me and Peyton did was, well, the first two ten minutes of it was we just talked about it with no spoilers. Okay, yeah, I'm, I, so I feel like... I listened, I, so I remember. We, oh, good, because I didn't listen to that. Uh, <laughs> well, you experienced it, you were there. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, what did you think of this film? I had a darn fine time. I, I yeah, I was, I was grinning the whole diddly dang movie. Uh, th- th- this alludes to a spoiler we will talk about, but it won't be actually spoiling it because if you saw any early reviews or any early reactions and whatnot, you th- you are aware this is a common reaction. Did you cry? A uh, little bit at the end. Yeah. Little, little, little tears. Okay. How about you? Hell no. You didn't have little tears? No. <clears throat> yeah. It was caught up in the emotions. I will get there. Okay. Um, but yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was uh, g- quite delighted and surprised with um, how much uh, I exactly enjoyed myself. I saw this movie in uh, 4DX as I uh, am wont to do, as is known on uh, uh, this podcast, particularly. And um, I gotta say, it was it was maybe top three, if not number one, 40x experience so far. Really, <laughs> having only started seeing these movies uh, with Bad Boys for Life, so fairly recently. Um, yeah, it was great. There was straight up an applause break for a particular 40x sequence. In this movie. That's pretty great. It was pretty great. It was one of two applause breaks that uh, happened in this movie. Did your theater have any applause breaks for anything that happened in Ghostbusters? No, because life? Uh, this is a complaint I have uh, after living in Chicago. Chicago people uh, love expressing their emotions mm-hmm. in the movie theater. So much, and I love it so much. But yeah, people around here do not do that shit, and I fucking miss it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, you gotta you gotta repress emotions. Uh, if I remember anything from living in the South, yeah. Uh, I it was also there. You could tell there were a lot of people whose uh, first time this was a uh, this was their first time in a 40x movie, and you could tell because a lot of laughter in the first 15 minutes. 
of people just being like, whoa, this is crazy. Um, and then eventually, you know, everyone kind of gets used to it. And <clears throat> it becomes yeah. less of a distraction. Um, but yeah, I mean, by by the, the, the sheer fact that there were applause breaks in my viewing, uh, I, I, it's safe to say that, you know, the entire my entire crowd uh, also enjoyed it. Um, did you? How'd you find it from a comedy perspective? It wasn't as funny as the first two. Obviously, obviously. all the all the comedy seemed to come from uh, Paul Rudd, of course, mm-hmm. and podcast, and. His excitement really made me laugh a lot. He was he was fine. It was fine. Yeah, yeah. Podcast yeah. was fine. Whatever. The, like um, everything that I was expecting uh, to bug the hell out of me in this movie uh, was fine. It didn't bother me nearly as much as I thought it would. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, that is good. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. I'll tell you, man. At a, it definitely started a little slow. I think we talked about that. Mm-mm. Um, we didn't know. I was talking with Mullet about that because that was his, his complaint about the first two Ghostbusters movies is that they always start a little slow. I'm like, yeah, they always start off pretty hot and then kind of like simmer until like the second act, which is fine. Yeah, um, you gotta have that pop at the beginning of exactly, it, and then yeah. you get into the story. Yeah, it's like a good uh, to to paraphrase uh, Rob from High Fidelity. It's like any good mixtape. You want to start off with a bang, kick it up a notch, but you don't want to blow your wad, so you got to cool it down a little bit. Something I've been, uh, uh, recently we had the Montgomery Film Festival and, uh, watching a lot of shorts and whatnot. I've been, and plus I just watch a <laughs> fuckload of movies in general. Mm-hmm. But me and my, uh, boss slash friend Sherman have been discussing, um, film openings and how movie openings should just be a, just a dope ass short film on its own. Mm. And this was definitely that. Like, this is probably my favorite out of all the openings. Of it was a pretty cool opening. It um, was so cool. Yeah. Uh, and if that was just it, as far as the thing goes, great. Yeah. I would have been just perfectly happy with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I was what I was going to say is at around the time that, like. There was, there, I, I don't even know exactly how far into the movie it was, but at a certain point, I started thinking to myself, all right, Paul Rudd better show up pretty fucking soon. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I had that thought, he was in the next scene. So yeah. from like a pacing standpoint, I thought that was pretty on point. It's, um, I will, I will, I will say this about this movie. I'll, I, I, yeah, I did love it. I enjoyed the shit out of it. Um, I don't see people, uh, yeah, people online have been shitting on this movie and I don't, I don't fucking for the life of me can't figure out why people are critics. Cause it has a 95% audience score. Yeah. But like uh, the stuff, like if you go on letterboxd and look at like the top like reviews or whatever, it's just people what? shitting on the movie. Yeah, and I'm just like, fucking letterbox I, <laughs> though, man, you know? Yeah. I just look at it. I'm just like, I'm like, this is what I will say about this movie. It is. It is The Force Awakens for Star Wars. Dude, yes, I had the same exact thought. But they did a hell of a lot better job than they did with Star Wars, in my opinion. I mean, 
you Star know. Wars, I was like, oh, this is cool. But it was just like, yeah, okay. But like, I don't know. I just, I, I love these characters in this movie a lot more. Like, especially Phoebe. Phoebe was, Phoebe was good. Um, I was, I was also, um, pleased with like how on the sidelines Finn Wolfhard was. Cause I was expecting him to just kind of be like sort of shoved down our throats. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wasn't, he was just kind of like a supporting character basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, trying to think what else, some other things I can say that aren't spoilery. But yeah, like my, I would say this is the best filmmaking wise, but it's number three in my opinion, ranked <laughs> Ghostbusters wise. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I can't really think of anything else this non-spoilery. Um, obviously, if you've listened, if you've gone through this whole fucking podcast and aren't gonna watch this movie or on the fence about it, then yeah, you're never gonna watch it. <laughs> Uh, I will. I will. I also do want to say I, I have. Um, I watched uh, Halloween Kills before uh, uh, I listened to your all's Halloween episode, um, and uh, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, uh-huh. But but boy, yeah, there were definitely some maddening parts to that movie, um, such as the whole fucking hospital mob scene um, oh, was so incredibly frustrating. Mm-hmm. And then depending on whether or not like the very, very end of the movie was like some weird dream sequence or it actually happened. That was also pretty dumb. Yeah. <clears throat> Which I think I said it on the podcast that <clears throat> it's pretty ballsy of them to have the beginning of the third Halloween movie be the end of the second Halloween movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'll tell you though, man, so, for, I mean, for a movie name called Halloween Kills, it did not disappoint on the kills themselves. Oh, yeah. There was Holy kills. shit. That was dope as hell. That fucking kick the door, flip the gun around kill. I like was by myself in the apartment and I movie theater reacted to that shit. Like I jumped out of my seat and was like, oh, shit. Yeah, that was, that was definitely, I don't know if I said that was my favorite kill or not, but that was definitely one of my favorite moments. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I loved, I hate loved uh like all the firefighter well pretty much it happened like twice where all the firefighters and then all everyone at the end basically like fucking uh, uh B- bruce lee fought him like all the other ninjas waiting around for yeah them to get their turn against bruce lee it's like the fuck do you think's gonna happen i didn't yeah i didn't even realize that but it's just like just i'll gang up on him at once don't do it one at a time yeah That's also like when he's down like that I'm sure someone's got an axe. Try to chop his head off. Just try it. Let's see what happens. Well, first of all, he needs to be pinned between an ambulance and a tree stump. As we've learned with Halloween H2O. I, well, you know, (laughs) it's a new canon, man. Yeah. Uh, So let's, let's, let's try some new, uh, you know, moves. Uh, So we're, we're past the 10 minute mark now. Um, Do you want to, do you want to hit us with some stats? Yeah, I'll see the box office. I, yeah, I spent a little bit of time beforehand doing some numbers. Box office, uh, yeah, of course, this movie came out last Thursday night. That's when I saw it. Same. Um, so, number one in the box office. We're back at the top, baby. Ghostbusters Afterlife. The tippy. And then number two is Eternals. Number three, Clifford the Big Red Dog. <laughs> number four, King Richard. Oh, nice. Number five, Dune. Mm-hmm. 
Number six, Paul Thomas Anderson's favorite film of 2021, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. I can't wait to see that. (laughs) Uh, Number seven, No Time to Die. (laughs) Number eight, The French Dispatch. Number nine, Belfast. And number 10, good old Zach Galifianakis in Ron's Gone Wrong. Old Zach Galifianakis. Uh, Let's run down those real quick again. Uh, So Ghostbusters Afterlife, we both liked. What was number two, Eternals? Eternals. I'm seeing that tomorrow. I have not You're seen it, it tomorrow. Yet. Okay, that was going to be my question. Um, hey, man, have fun. Uh, I I was marketed that that movie was just felt like it was uh, it's just marketed the shit out of it, just like Afterlife. Yeah, which I texted you and I said I'm more excited about seeing Afterlife just so I can stop seeing the advertisements for yeah, it. Yeah, I just want this movie fucking released already. Yeah, and um, I felt the same way with Eternals, but yeah. I feel like. Because I'm really, I'm pretty stoked about the Hawkeye show, just because it looks like a Shane Black thing. Yeah, it's like Christmas and Buddy Cop thing. So I'm mm-hmm. like, are they gonna have any like an Eternals thing in Hawkeye? I, I doubt it. I doubt it, but I'm just gonna be safe because I was gonna pull a Doctor Strange and just wait to watch this one on uh, Blu-ray, like yeah. a Doctor Strange. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. There's good parts. I liked it more than anyone else that I saw it with, you know, but, um, it's yeah. a, it's a tough hang. Regina went to go see it and she said that, uh, yeah, she said that it's like a lot of talking. So I was like, well, I'm glad you told me that. So I'm now prepared. Yeah. You know it's how just, in, uh, the blues brothers, like how, like the, the most of the middle of that movie is them getting the band back together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like that, but double it. <laughs> Oh no! Because there's fucking ten of them. Um. Well, does Donald Duck Dunn show up and say, "Why not? Is the shit fits where? Move over, goddamn it!" If only. Oh man. Closest you get is Kumail Nanjiani being the most charismatic person in the movie. Well, of course. Tyree Henry being a very close second. Yeah, I figured those two would be the best part of the movie. <laughs> and, well, yes, but also by calling them the most charismatic, they literally could have just spray shit directly onto the fucking lens and they would have been more charismatic than half the people in that fucking movie but yeah yeah, yeah. all right uh cliff the big red dog <laughs> uh, uh 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 jillian mullet uh uh chris mullet's uh, uh lovely daughter uh and, and samantha mullet uh both of married with movies uh went and saw that yesterday for her birthday and i asked her how it was she said it was great oh and how old is this child Church just turned five. All right, so that's a glowing review from a five-year-old. Which from that from hey the target audience. Yeah, there you go. King Richard, uh, haven't seen that yet. Getting great reviews though, and I plan on watching it on HBO Max. Same Dune. Let me tell you about. Uh, did you see Dune? In yeah, I saw Dune. I saw it in 40x. Oh yeah, I, I, I remember yeah. you telling me that. Not uh, the movie to see in fucking 40x. I'll tell you what. Let me tell you. Uh, let me tell you my experience with Afterlife. In relation to Dune, so the AMC, which by the way, AMC, I'm sorry, I've I've been art lighting it up, art lighting it up. Arc light opened up as soon as I moved to Chicago, and then mm-hmm. it closed as soon as I moved away, which I think is the yeah related. It means you need to move back up here, please. But um, what was I gonna say? But I'm just so used to arc light that like I had to like during my afterlife screening, I had to like tell them to I had to tell them to focus it. And then, like the movie, it somehow God. became. It had to focus it during the op- during the pre-show with a. Uh, oh my God, I forgot her name. 
Marie Menounos? Yeah. Is that her name? Mm-hmm. Former um, uh, WrestleMania uh, participant. Really? Maria Menounos, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I had to tell them to focus it, and then they did. And then, like, somehow during the trailers, it became unfocused again. And then, but luckily, they refocused it right as the movie started. So, we were good to go. But I'm just thinking about Arc Because Arclight, they're, like, they wait in there for, like, ten minutes to see if the movie's okay. And then they leave. Yeah. And it's great. Anyway, so... The way the way this AMC works is you buy the pop you buy popcorn one way and they give you a bag and then you walk over to a popcorn station and then I walked up and the guy was like you see in Dune I was like what are you making this assumption about me Ghostbusters is opening up and you're making this just everybody's here to see Ghostbusters you're asking me specifically if I'm seeing Dune so that was weird I told him I'd already seen it I really wish someone would have just told me that Dune was like. Like a like a like a Lord of the Rings, but in the sand, and I would have uh, that would have saved me three hours. Uh, it's adult Star Wars. That's what I call it because <laughs> it's the same fucking plot as Star Wars. <laughs> Came out in '65, I want to say. All right, uh, Venom. Haven't seen it. No time to die. Dope as fuck. French Dispatch. Bought a ticket. Didn't go see it. I've been doing that lately. Wow, you're I'm- just assuming I haven't seen any of these movies. Which you're uh, right, I have not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Venom, I don't think you would see it. You're not a James Bond fan. Right? Yeah, no, just never. Yeah. Yeah, I bought a ticket to see French Dispatch and was like, all gung-ho. And then I was like, I've been to the movie theater twice this week. I don't want to go a third time. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not a Wes Anderson guy, so. Yeah. Uh, Belfast, that's, I saw a trailer for that before Dune. That's what I'll say about it. Ron's gone wrong. I saw him making of before. Don't know what movie. All right, let's get down to the nitty gritty. Let's get down to business. This is the box office numbers for the four Ghostbusters movies that have come out. And as I wrote this, I got surprised. Mm-hmm. Opening weekend for the first movie, $13.5 million. Don't know what that is just for adjusted for inflation. 13.5, you say? Yeah, apparently that's pretty good. Let's see. Uh, inflation. I got Calculator. it. I got it. You got it? Yeah. Uh, 1984. Yep. Same day as Gremlins. Uh, 13.5 million? friend i'm not gonna talk while rich is looking this up because i like dead space because i want you the listener to be in suspense and wonder what that is hell you probably could have pulled it up by now yeah it's uh being very frustrated what the fuck see i haven't i watch a lot of old movies a lot of heist movies there it is all right what is it hold on oh i can probably pull it up because i have it okay on my phone okay okay (laughs) today Uh uh-huh uh that would be rounded up $36 $36 million. Really? Yeah. Hmm. All right. Ghostbusters 2 was $29.4 million. 29.4. Let's see what that is in 89, 89 numbers. 89 numbers in 2021. Whoo! Big increase. That's $78.2 million, my friend. Yeah, that's, that's, that's twice the amount of money. Oh, wait. Hold on. 89. Sorry. Let me adjust the year. Uh, 65.5, still more than double. Pretty no, good. less than double, but still a lot. 
Yeah. And then Ghostbusters, actually the call was $46 million. That's 2016. I feel like we don't really need to adjust that for inflation that much. No, but it is worth noting that's more than, well, okay. That'd be $53 million today. Okay. And Still, then after, Afterlife. More than Afterlife. And Afterlife was $44 million. Now we are in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, that's true. So, which by the way, getting boosted the day this episode comes out, baby. I'm pretty stoked. Nice. Yeah, we're going to make our uh, appointments tomorrow night. Something like that. <laughs> we have a set time in which we have to make our appointments. Um, let's see. Yeah, I just have like, I, I was going to go see the movie again last night, but I didn't. Uh, I decided to watch Billy Wilder's The Apartment instead and play San Andreas. <laughs> a very uh, weird combination of things to do on a night. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how we should start this. Just, yeah, the, the opening. Do you want to pull up like a synopsis? We could pull up a synopsis and just kind of like run through that and then talk about, you know. I didn't even think to do that. I, I don't even know how we did this for Furious 7. You mean Not Furious, F9? F9. So I, when I think Furious, my, I, my mind is automatically says 7 because that's the best one. Um, wiki. Oh boy. Here we go. Oh, here we have a plot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> 32, I love how it opens up with 32 years after stopping Vigo. The despotic spirit. I, boy, oh boy, I'm I glad that it opens with that. Because uh, come, here comes nitpick number one, which was, yes, addressed by Ivan Wright or Jason Reitman in uh, in a subsequent interview um, about criticisms of uh, people just wondering if Ghostbusters 2 was still canon. Uh, to which he says, yes, of course it is. And it's not so much like that was never in question. I just, I did not appreciate uh, what feels like the erasure of the events of that movie. It, it seems like it never happened. And this was pointed out to me, uh, discussing with friends, the, uh, so jump to the end of the movie where they have that, uh, they're in the temple and has all the years. Mm-hmm. Did you see 89? I, so I'll let that one slide because it it, it wasn't Gozer related. <laughs> You know, and I don't think Vigo was trying to it was was set about to bring the end of the world as much as he was. He just wanted to rule the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I give it a pass on that. However, however, um, every single time that they're like explaining to one of these kids, like who the fucking Ghostbusters were. Mm hmm. It's always, yeah, 1984. They, you know, f- uh, d- defeated a 100-foot marshmallow man to save New York. It's it's not that much more breath to also include, yeah, and then if, like five years later, they walked the Statue of Liberty through the fucking city. Yeah, they used Also a- of note. <laughs> yeah, then five years later, they used a Nintendo gamepad to drive the Statue <laughs> of Liberty through uh, Slime Square. Yeah, they used... A Nintendo gamepad and a bad cover of Jackie Wilson's Higher oh. and Higher. So fucking funny. But yeah, there's like the only reference 
like I had to go back and think about it. I was like, is Ghostbusters 2 canon? And I was like, well, I guess it is because Ray's, Ray's a, cult. a cult book. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's that's why I never really like worried about that mm-hmm. being like an issue as much as just kind of like they 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 brought it up in that interview. Like, you know, why did the ghost why did Ecto One have the old decals back on it instead of the Ghostbusters 2 decals mm-hmm. and uh you know like just just other things like that I didn't notice the toaster in the background that that was a nice probably because it just is a fucking toaster you know uh here's the thing about the toaster the only reason I knew the toaster was there is because Adam Savage has been doing a series in which he uh, like visited the set and he talked to the set like one of the set decorators and they were like yeah this is the toaster from Ghostbusters 2 yeah just like like, I'm not fucking watching this movie going, where's the goddamn toaster? Right. Like, I've... Yeah. Same. Um, you know, I, I, I another nitpick I'll have. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I'm, I might be getting ahead of myself, but, you know, here we are. Um, I feel uh, like we should, we're going to go all over the place. So. I know. Um, but maybe, maybe they are saving this for the next movie, which mm-hmm. seems to be maybe in the works. Um, but... Uh, I, I, I could have used a lot more slime, you know, there was some ectoplasm. I needed slime. And again, I'll understand it if it's in the next movie, you know, if they want to follow a Creed, Creed two type of, you know, uh, a template here, just, you know, do a better job at making afterlife two than Creed two, you know, but you know, I, I'd like, I'd like some slime, please. Yeah. I noticed Muncher, uh, there was a lot of muncher slime. But that's about which it. that's the ectoplasm I'm I'm really referring to. I figured that's just that's that's what that would be. But mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you know, I guess you could say they're interchangeable. Whatever. I uh, speaking of Adam Savage and Jason Reitman, he interviewed Jason Reitman today. Mm-hmm. Like they released a interview. It's just them at Ghost Core, like in the offices, and then, like mm-hmm. he gives a tour of Ghost Core and all that stuff. Nice, and like shows the room where they wrote the movie. And, um, like a funny little tidbit is that they opened up the cabinets and pulled the toys out and like used the toys to <laughs> figure out the logistics of a, like, I guess I'm assuming it's the chase sequence or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, it's just funny that like they got down on the floor and played with toys to figure out how to do, you know, how they're going to write a sequence in a movie. I mean, that makes me happy. <laughs> it's very funny, but um, I forget, where was I going before I started this? Where, what did you say? What do we talk about? Ghostbusters two, slime, slime. Uh, we could just get back to the synopsis. We could. We also had other. No, game. something inspired this tangent I was going on. That's how the toys. Stupid. Not the toys. No, it was something you said. Listener, I'm sorry. I am uh, running on not a lot of sleep, so I'm like struggling to remember shit okay. right now. <laughs> anyway. Well, I'm sure it'll come back up. Um, oh, um, oh, this is what it was. Uh, he had a shooting script of the first movie. Mm. And it, it was like a, a continuity, like script script supervisors, copy of the script, and they showed like all the different stuff. And they had in the script the original written dialogue plus whatever Bill Murray improvised. <laughs> So during the whole uh, getting the getting the ectoplasm in the beginning of the movie, uh-huh. Vickman's original line was nice, but Bill Murray improvised Egon. Here's your mucus. Much better. Somebody blows their nose and you want to keep it. 
So yeah, um, that's where that was. That was related to the ectoplasm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, so let's we can just get right right up in the guts of this movie. Honestly. Um. Yeah, I want to talk about this opening sequence because yes. this is honestly my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's good. It's it's like I remember I officially went holy shit at one point and was specifically at the part where Egon. So like yeah, it opens up with like uh, a particle beam going into the sky and then Egon running out driving a like utility truck with a trap and you're wondering what's going on. Which that was cool seeing Egon being a badass and they did. I was like, are they going to digitally show his? And they didn't do that. Like, didn't have some yeah. actor, but, like... I, and I was and, uh, very happy with that. Yeah. And it was just really cool that they got, like, a double that, like, had the same silhouette as Harold Ramis, which I yeah. thought was great. <laughs> but, yeah, that whole sequence was great. And then, yeah, the part where the he's sitting in the chair and then mm-hmm. the terror dog comes up behind him. The, like, the combination of the music and the way that the smoke formed into the terror dog, it was yeah. just... Uh, it was and then, so good. Snapped them up in the same way the terror dog got Dana yeah. in the first movie. It was really cool. A little nitpick is like, because when Egon passes, he like drops the uh, PKE meter, mm-hmm. and as they're going through that house, like nobody thought, nobody happened to look up under that chair and find that. Uh- <laughs> I don't know who else was in the house in the time. Like, well, I guess they had to get the body, the body out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, they're probably just, I mean, who knows how long it took for them to, to look for the body, first of all. Yeah. And by that point, it probably smells like the Dickens and you just want to get the fuck in and out. I feel like it was, uh, it might've been Janine that probably, that's yeah. that I can think of. But Which even then, another- you know, how frequently is she coming through, you know? That's another thing in regard to uh, Ghostbusters 2 Erasure, uh, is that, yeah, Janine's checking in checking in on him, where I was like, okay, if Ghostbusters 2 wasn't canon, this makes a lot of sense that she keeps checking in on him, because she's, like, you know, obviously, like, infatuated with him in the first movie. Right. Yeah. I mean, just because, like, it didn't work out between the two doesn't mean that she, like, holds contempt for him. That's true, but later on we find out it's actually, she's working for Winston. Yeah. Which, by the way, okay, jump in I mean, again. <laughs> we'll get there, man. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, I just don't want to. I just, I want to grab onto whatever thought I have. All right, so go ahead. Like, yeah. C- considering your, your current state of mind. Yeah. Let's, let's just get it as they come. Plus, I just, you know, I think we need to get through this episode as quickly as possible. I don't want to do another two hour episode. We can so do go ahead. Better. Winston. But what was it going? Oh yeah, but yeah. Uh, glad that Winston's no longer making eleven five a year, and he, <laughs> he's able to employ uh, Janine and also buy the firehouse back, which didn't look like a Starbucks. Was not a Starbucks, and I haven't seen too many Starbucks uh, go out of business. So either Ray just forgot where the firehouse was, <laughs> you know. I like. I wanted so when he when he said that uh, that it's a Starbucks now. I wanted to be like, no, it's a it's an operational firehouse. Yeah. As soon as he said that, I thought about like, how uh, is is this like the Starbucks that's in Chicago? That that big ass one? Oh, the the Starbucks Reserve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, if that, if you're gonna do it anywhere in New York, that would be the place. 
I love that uh, it insinuates that, like, because the containment unit's still there. So, like, some barista, yeah. some barista goes downstairs and sees a containment unit, like, next to, like, a big-ass uh, bag of coffee beans. It's like, hey, what's this button do? <laughs> That's oh, how you just... get your next movie. <laughs> some barista lets out all the ghosts. Yeah, they think it's a freaking cappuccino machine. Yeah. Good God. Um, yeah, so that, yeah, that opening sequence is great. And then we cut to Callie, Trevor, and Phoebe um, living in Chicago. I don't know if you noticed that tidbit. I did not catch that. When they pull up into Somerville, um, they have Illinois license plates. And I'm assuming, since Harold Ramis is from Chicago and all that stuff, so it has to be Chicago because they're obviously in a big city. But yeah, they're in dire straits, and they get evicted from their apartment and go to the farm. It's the stuff within the trailer, people. Oh, man. Let's see. Going through... Oh, so, yeah. And then, like, Janine talks about, you know, she's the reason the bills got paid. And then finds out that Egon has left a lot of debt to them. And the land's worthless. I'm reading the Wikipedia, people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Phoebe finding out the house is haunted is just, the way they did that was just so freaking cool with the um, Egon playing chess with her, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which yeah. I thought was, yeah, that was great. All that stuff, I I, I heartily enjoyed. And we know where, I, we, we all know where I'm like going to be eventually, where I, where, because I, you know, I said like, oh boy, I swear to God, if they do this one thing. I'm going to be pissed, you know, so we'll get to it when we get to it. Okay. But so far, all the Egon involvement, classy as hell. Very tasteful. Which the, the Adam Savage interview with Jason Reitman found mm-hmm. out that when Jason Reitman wrote the script, like when they wrote the script, they, they sent it to Ivan Reitman read it. And then the Ramos family read it. Mm-hmm. And then Adam Savage read it. Because Adam Savage answered a lot of science questions for them, believe it or not. Because okay. obviously he's a MythBuster. <laughs> yeah. Hey, from one Buster to another. Yeah. Uh, boy, I'm sure they would have called Paul Walker as well. Uh, 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 another Buster. The, uh, we need to somehow uh, loop in the fact that the Michael Myers is somehow a Buster, just so we can have uh, all three seasons are connected through Busters. Yeah, I mean, well, in, 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 you know. Well, much like Buster Keaton, Michael Myers doesn't talk. You know what? Better than what I had. <laughs> what did you have? I was going to say, with as much as he drove in that first movie, you could say he lived his life a quarter mile at a time. Yeah. Instead of the Ghostbusters. Um, yeah. All right. So, okay. Yeah. Finds the ghost trap. And then Trevor finds the Ecto-1. Yep. And then they take... Oh, okay. First of all, Paul. Okay, I think right before this, we're introduced to Paul Rudd, and then because he's just, the, the the fucking best thing. That joke was so good. It was like apparently the school still runs on VHS technology, and he pulls it yeah. up like a like a, like how we're used to in elementary mm-hmm. school and high school and whatnot. The, the TV on the, the TV. Cart. He puts on fucking Cujo, and then chat later on Child's Play. Ugh, such a good bit. But yeah, and then we're introduced to the podcast. 
So why were why were why were podcast and and Phoebe in summer school? Was it just because they loved school? Like, well, I think because uh, well, because Callie is right. going through you know all of Egon's stuff, trying to figure sure. out. So I feel like Phoebe's smart. So mm. it's like was well, like well. You know, she likes school and learning, so let's just throw her in school. And then right. Trevor, Trevor has a job. Yeah. And obviously, podcast needs a fallback because I'm telling you right now, doing this doesn't make a lot of money. <laughs> well, he's also just not a good podcaster. I know he's a child, but come on, man. <laughs> he's 12 years old. I don't give a fuck. You're here to hear first, everybody. Rip Camelucci shitting on a 12-year-old yeah. who keeps his podcast on a thumb drive. Like, I don't... Yeah, no. Like... I want to know how Ray got that podcast if he keeps it on a thumb drive. Anyway, we'll get to that later. I... Yeah, yeah. I'd like to know who they who they consulted uh, for, for podcasting questions. How about that? Uh, Conan O'Brien. Uh... <laughs> sure, you just got to keep... Your consultations to gingers. <laughs> uh, let's see. Trevor meets Lucky. We've already said that. Also completely skated over the fact. Uh, yeah. Meeting Lucky and, and them going to that fucking drive-in. Like all the time. The diner? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see what else we got. The old mine shaft. All right, that whole old the mine shaft sequence was great because mm-hmm. that's where that's how you do exposition. I think that this movie handled exposition so much better than 2016. It was uh, it was a lot of showing and not telling, which was nice. Yeah, um, yeah. I you know so let's start talking about all the Gozer stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't remember if I was like on the record or not, but. I was I was very much ready to just completely I was I I was not happy that we were going back to the Gozer well, which mm-hmm. ironically enough ended up being an actual well. Uh a well of souls, yeah. much like uh what happens in Raiders of the Lost Ark. There's a well of souls in that movie. But I I actually kind of dug it all. Um no particular reason, it just it just actually struck a chord with me, and I, I really liked it. I liked the new Gozer. I liked all the iconography. Mm-hmm. I liked that we got a little bit more. Like, we did learn more about yeah. the, all the Gozer of it all. Uh, you know, cu- cu- jumping ahead, we got to see Evo Shandor. I want to talk about We need to jump on this right now. The boy, Evo oh, boy. Sh- the Evo Shandor shit was so weird. Because you saw him in the coffin, and mm-hmm. it was like, oh shit, that's J.K. Simmons. I did not recognize him. I did. I knew immediately. From a profile. Profile, no, But when he turned his head, you're like, oh shit, that's J.K. Simmons. Yeah, for whatever reason, it still didn't click with me until he like stood up. Okay, that's the part that's weird to me, because he stands up, and he's dead within 10 seconds. That shit was hilarious. It was very funny, but like I feel like it, it, it was edited weird. It just felt like he had more of an introduction, and they were like, "Just cut it." You know what I mean? Like it makes sense to me that they did that. I, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't balk at it at all. Like that. 
it I was, thought it was I thought it was hilarious that he immediately died. Yeah, but like uh, I mean, I, I didn't get that feeling that like there was more or anything like that. That just seemed like that's all it was going to be. That's another thing that I I really liked about the movie is that it wasn't there weren't that was like the only cameo really. Like, whereas that was a big complaint with 2016, Answer mm-hmm. the Call, was that yeah. it was just, ca- like, way too many cameos. This was, like, perfect. You, you had a lot of recognizable character actors, mm-hmm. like, you know, Tracy Letts and Bokeem Woodbine. Uh, but they were just actual parts and not gratuitous cameos. Yeah. Um, except for J.K. Simmons as Evo Shandor, which is great because, you know, we've been hearing about Evo Shandor since 1984. And we finally get to meet the fella. It's the farmer's insurance guy. And he dies in 7.8 seconds. Well, I'm going to say that because, like, friends of mine who went to go see it, they didn't even realize it was J.K. Simmons because he was on he was on screen. That's how fast he was on yeah. screen. So I feel like they probably had a little bit more, but, like, for pacing issues, they were like, let's just drop that bit. That's what I it felt it. like to me. Yeah. But I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, like, I feel like there there's probably – we're probably going to see more on the Blu-ray is what I, I'm saying. I'll say this. I would love to see more, but I kind of hope not. I kind of hope that was absolutely intentional. Yeah. Yeah. It was very funny. But, um, yeah, the whole temple and everything was cool. Mm-hmm. And how they, that's where they mined the steel riveted girders. Yes. Yeah. Was raw selenium or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the, um, the bit about how the miners started falling to their deaths mm-hmm. out of nowhere, which that was a cool, it had a very much a, uh, I'm just going to compare it to like the Fallout games where like you hear about stuff but don't see it mm-hmm. and you just picture it in your mind and it's almost like a uh, I'm not going to say Ray Bradbury but like you know like there's like really short stories that Ray Bradbury writes about like like you know I feel like that's the, an old mine where somebody where the yeah. workers suddenly started dying and then they found a temple ghost stories in a small town yeah it's fucking I yeah. loved it um, I, uh, uh, oh, fuck. Never mind. Move on. Why? <laughs> I, I was going to say that, but I completely forgot, so let's just keep plowing ahead. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, we'll see. Earthquakes. Oh, yeah, the earthquake consistency. Well, okay, so I, I will say this. If, if, for Evo Shandor mm-hmm. and the whole gozer of it all, then what exactly was the point of 1984? To get your ass kicked? It was very, uh, that, that's the weirdest part about it. Cause like, like Evo Shandor built all these buildings, which mm-hmm. by the way, that was a very funny, um, uh, little love uh, play on Trump was like, what, what kind oh, of yeah. an asshole puts his name <laughs> on everything. I thought <laughs> so that was very funny. Um, but yeah, it's just weird that uh, Evo Shandor would build these buildings in New York, and then his body is in a mine out in Oklahoma. Yeah, it was like you like you did all that knowing, yeah, we're gonna take the L out in Manhattan, you know. But that's yeah. just that's just practice for. It's not even you know. a game. Yeah, it's not a game. It's not a game. It's not the game that I love. We're talking about practice. Um, now I just want to see J.K. Simmons uh, redo word for word the uh, Allen Iverson press conference. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, so that was like kind of weird. But then also, did you did you notice uh, if there were 
addition there was an additional year after 2021 yes i think there was and did you see what it was was it 2045 i thought i saw 2023 i'm Uh, probably wrong yeah you probably are (laughs) i should have like that's like the thing about this movie is that there's so much packed into it that um yeah, there's just so much shit packed into it. That's why I wanted to go see it a second time, because this movie was dense with lore. Wait, what? Oh, okay. That's what I thought. So on the cast list, speaking of Gozer, it said that it was like, as soon as I saw Gozer, I was like, oh, that's Olivia Wilde. And then I watched the credits, and she wasn't listed. But according to Wikipedia, it's her. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? That's okay. What I'm, that's what I'm screaming. Let's see. Who? Oh, okay. Anyway, what was this? Where we're going, Gozer? Where do you look? You're looking up those dates. Is that date popped I, up? Yeah, I can't find them. We're not doing time lock talk. Timeline talk. Speaking of timeline talk, Jason Reitman confirms... That Egon has a kid during the events of Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. I thought that was interesting too. Kind of, it does kind of explain a few things as far as what happened with him and, and Janine, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still, I'm still very curious to know who he ended up having a kid with. Yeah. Um, And... But yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, go for well, whoever that woman, on. whoever that woman is, she really liked. Uh, she must have liked Egon's epididymis. <laughs> uh, yeah, she was real into spores, molds, and fungus. Yeah. Um, I, I also uh, this also does kind of give credence to some of his character traits uh, in in um. The real Ghostbusters, and that he's like kind of a dick. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's gonna t- turn out he turned into a real fucking dick. But 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 also in Ghostbusters too, he's real playful. Right, but af- but according to to Ray, everything that happened after Ghostbusters two, he turned into a real fucking dick. Yeah. <laughs> Which um, this is this is obviously like Jason Reitman has talked about how this is a personal story, and like you can really tell that he's like projecting himself onto Callie and that Egon is Ivan Reitman. Oh, yeah. Real daddy issue stuff here. Which, like, I've often thought about that as somebody who uh, is pursuing um, doing this professionally, being a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you deal with, you know, you being a father off, you know, you know, hanging out with Charles Grodin in the White House, shooting Dave, while your son's, you know, at home in Los Angeles or... Are they based in L.A.? I know they're Canadian, so I don't know. But, like, you know, I think about stuff like that. And, obviously, Jason Reitman answers the question (laughs) with this movie. Answer the call. Answer the question. Jason Reitman made a movie about you, Dad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Ivan. Yeah. But, yeah, that's just something I've I've often thought about. Like, how does, you know, like, actors go away, you know, shoot a Marvel movie in Atlanta for two years. Yeah. Like, what are the, does their kid come with them? Anyway. I don't know. 
do not know. Let's see, underground lair. Oh yeah, the e the uh, the uh. Wait a minute. Let's see. This this synopsis, like certain parts of it, are ahead of other parts. Because it's like she discovers this. Like no, she discovers that later in the movie. Hmm. I'm trying to think where we're at right now. Oh, so like yeah, Paul Rudd with the ghost trap. He. They used a bus to jumpstart it and released a terror dog that Egon trapped at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Which, the windshield bit, big-ass laugh. Like, driving down the road with no windshield. And then later on, when he slides through the windshield. Yes. Like, two really good callback. Like, because I didn't think about Because I had forgotten about the fucking windshield at that point. Yeah, I did not... <laughs> Going into this, I didn't. I didn't think that Paul Rudd would be the Rick Moranis of this movie, but he one hundred percent is. <laughs> and he yeah, does a great job. He, you know, like really, really, really did miss Rick Moranis uh, yeah. in this movie. But yeah, Paul Rudd did a great job at kind of filling that role. Yeah. Let's see. What are you are you looking up? Anything? Nah, I'm still looking for those dates. I don't think I'm gonna find them. I don't think you will either. Nope. Let's see, where are we at? Ghost leads Phoebe to an underground lair where Egon kept his equipment. Wait, what? What is this? The... One of Ghost's menu, Vince Clortho. Oh, okay. Oh, so they, he captured Vince Clortho at the beginning, and it goes back to the mine. Hmm. Underground lair. Yeah, she doesn't find... Kept his equipment. Oh, okay. Oh, the lair is. Yeah. It's his laboratory. Why the fuck does this Wikipedia article refer to his laboratory as a lair? That fucking whoever wrote this shit. Why a <laughs> lair? It's a fucking laboratory. Anyway, I'm gonna get off this soapbox. Um, the production of the sign of this movie is so fucking good, and I'm saying this because of that lair, that mm-hmm. laboratory. Mm-hmm. I was watching that scene going like, I just want to spend a day just hanging out and looking at everything that they put in this place. Oh, yeah. Because dense with detail. You got mold spores and funguses. You got the ghost equipment. But yeah, fixes the proton pack. And then I like the transition from testing it out to finding Muncher. That whole sequence. That whole, yeah, turn of events. So... Yes, that was a good sequence. This is the point in the movie where I do kind of want to talk about the the, the score, if you will. Um, we talked a lot about the scores and the soundtracks for the rest of these uh, movies a lot and kind of the role that they play within them. Mm-hmm. And uh, score-wise, it's at this point that I kind of, re- like, you know, it, it borrows and straight up uses a lot of, you know, previous score. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is great. Brings back a lot of memories. It's really got that Ghostbusters feel that we're all used to. Um, but it's at this this particular sequence where they're all, you know, where they're testing the stuff out first. That, for the first time, it felt out of place. A lot it's, of it felt like, a lot of it reminded me of an Indiana Jones score. I, well, so a lot of those, like, original, you know, notes and vibes and, 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 you know, calls to the original score just made me like realize how sort of metropolitan the, the original score is. 
mm-hmm. this needed something more Midwestern. This needed something more Oklahoma, you know? This needed something more kind of like, you know, blue sky, you know? Like yeah. open spaces, um, you know, w- wind comes sweeping down the plain, waving wheat, sure smells sweet when the wind comes right behind the rain. You know, something like that. Okay. I didn't. I didn't freeze. I was just listening to. Oh, you. I know. I know. I know um, you're frozen. But yeah, and then from a soundtrack point of view, I have the same complaints that I had about Answer the Call. Um, I would have liked some original, some better original songs, some original songs within the actual movie, and not just in the credits. Um, the song that played during the credits, I wasn't a big fan of, but I feel like. This is just a, a random suggestion, not even a suggestion, but just like, I, I don't know shit about this dude's discography, uh, you know, or anything like that at all. Uh, I'm not a fan of the guy, but I feel like The Weeknd would be a very good modern day type of vibe for a Ghostbusters soundtrack. Hmm. You know, when you look at the the great lineage of Ghostbusters soundtracks, you know, from Bobby Brown to Glenn Fry. <laughs> so you say. He's saying that Weekend is uh, this generation's uh, Bobby Brown. I'm just saying he probably does a lot of coke because he, he's sung about doing a lot of coke. Oh, man. See, that's the thing. You gotta, you gotta do crack. That's how you do a Ghostbuster score. Um, yeah, yeah I'm looking, those two, I'm, those two were, were, again, another little nitpick for me, but just kind of missed. Because also, when it got to the point in the movie where all the spirits are being let out, Similar to that point in in the first film, mm-hmm. it started. It started a montage. Yeah, it, you got like two scenes of a montage, and then it wrapped that shit up. It that was the quickest goddamn ghost montage. I, it was, I was. I do not qualify it as a montage. If it is, it gave me montage blue balls. Yeah, it was. It was just weird because you saw the uh, the eye popper ghost. That I popped hard for. That was great. That and then, was and then because this and then the you toy. Saw, it's the toy. Give me the rest of the toys. Yeah, and then you saw a minor mm-hmm. skeleton. Yep. Not, not that, a skeleton. Not a child that? skeleton, but a, uh, <laughs> a a skeleton that worked in a mine. Now, do we know if they got skeleton back for that? You know, skeleton hadn't been working a lot lately. Let me look up skeleton's IMDb real yeah. quick. Because that didn't look like you know they just CGI'd a skeleton. That looked like it, skeleton. It. It looked like Skeleton. Now, they might have gotten Skeleton Son because I see on IMDb oh. right now, there's Skeleton, parentheses, one, and then there's Skeleton, parentheses, two. Oh. So there's two Skeletons you know, I- working in Hollywood right now. You know what? Jason, Ivan Reitman, Jason Reitman, yep. Skeleton, Skeleton. Yeah. That's probably what happened. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, ske- Skeleton that we're talking about hadn't been in anything since 2019. Yeah, I, I I really think that's very poetic to go with the the themes of of like you know. Uh, well, here's the thing: and children. The second skeleton only has one credit in 2014. Hmm. So I mean, probably didn't really want to you know get in the family business. I see. I I see this. Okay, under trivia, his father is skeleton, who is known for his work okay. on Haunted House and Haunted Hill, and the last skeleton of Cadavara. I don't know. I haven't seen this film. The second one, there's a lot of A's. Um, so yeah, that is the son of Skeleton. We were correct. So 
Yeah, Skeleton's not credited. Neither Skeleton's credited, so maybe... Hmm. Um, I don't know if um, that was a mummy, maybe, that was a friend of Brendan Fraser. Because, hmm. you know, we're in the middle of a Fraser sance, and mm-hmm. so maybe mm-hmm. Brendan Fraser got some pull with his boy uh, Mummy, and Mummy came in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mummy's, of course, broken up with Knox on the moon. <laughs> anyway. Oh, Oklahoma. Oh, man. But yeah, I'm looking at the soundtrack, and it felt like, uh, yeah, it was definitely uh, not, I was like, oh, they're having a lot of, which 2016 did not have a lot of music. But I feel like they put a shitload of music in this one. But it's like stuff that is like, oh, this would appear in a Quentin Tarantino or an Edgar Wright movie. You know what I mean? That's Mm -hmm. what it kind of, because there there are certain parts of it I'm just like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Which I kind of feel like they were going for like a 1950s small town vibe with some of the songs. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, see. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we're talking about, but yeah. Indiana Jones, I kept fucking thinking about during the score because it's like, because there's the, especially the flutes. Because hmm. there's, I, like, I was listening to it, I'm like, oh yeah, there is flutes in the original. Because I mostly think of the piano when I think right. of the Elmer Bernstein score. But yeah. there is a lot of flutes in it. So, like, he just ran with it with the flutes. Hmm. And then that's what made me think about Raiders because Raiders has, like, some, like, desert sequences that has, like, you know, a lot of flutes on it or whatever. Yeah. John Williams. What are we talking about? So they're testing out the proton pack. It works. And then I'm at the, at the rate this movie was going with callbacks. When Phoebe said, did I get it? Talking about the bottles or whatever. I was, I, I was expecting podcast to say, you neutronized it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, uh, so a few weeks before the movie came out, Mullet asked if I wanted to hear one of the funnier lines from an, uh, a bad review that he had read. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, wait until after I see it. And so I asked him what it was uh, Thursday night. Um, and he's like, well, I'm paraphrasing, but uh, the movie's just basically one long Leo DiCaprio pointing at the TV meme. Yeah, that is a, that is a letterbox review that I read. Yeah, which is like, yeah. That's, I mean, and it's at that moment I was just like, oh yeah, it's fucking um, uh, Force Awakens. It's like Force Awakens. It's like Bill and Ted face the music because mm-hmm. Bill and Ted had a lot of moments. Yeah, and like it's just weird to me that like yeah, people were shitting on this movie while they were like praising those other two movies because right. it's like it's the same fucking it's type the same, of thing. Yeah, we're, we're all in the fucking nostalgia business. Yeah. Um. Which have you seen Last Night in Soho yet? Not yet. Nostalgia is yeah. a killer. I anyway. yeah, I do want to see that. Uh, really bad, but yeah. So uh, around the same time, Trevor uh, fixed up Ecto One, um, and really put that fucker through a stress test. Uh, I he when Dukes it, of w- Hazard that shit. He he made the Dukes of Hazard uh, look like the fucking Flintstones in their cars. Yeah, like ch- like there's come on, let's be let's let's tone it down with what exactly that old fucking Cadillac can do. Uh, and, and also like when it hits that jump, um, I, my, I like cringed, like my butthole tightened up. I was like, Oh no, no, don't do that to Ecto. I immediately thought of, uh, the dog van from dumb and dumber when made that <laughs> jump. And then when it hit the ground, um, 
there's uh there's a there's a shot in Smoking the Bandit where like it hits the you can like it's Smoking the Bandit and the Dukes of Hazard movie. Mm-hmm. You can kind of see when it lands how it fucked the car up and like oh yeah. And in this movie, it's the same way. You can kind of see like where it starts to bend and yep. then they cut away. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, same in, in some of the uh, Fast movies, too. Yeah, but I think about uh, my favorite all-time in which they make fun of this. There's an episode of Reno 911 with uh, Fast Aiden McClintock. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen it. I don't recall. But the deputies are spending the whole episode trying to catch this guy who's like a famous car. He's like, he leads a bunch of police on car chases. Mm-hmm. And his name is Je- Fast Eddie McClintock. And mm-hmm. I think he's, you don't see him, but I think he's voiced by Jeff Foxworthy. Excellent. And um, there's a point in which like they lay a spike strip and then Fast Eddie does a jump. And then they, they film the jump. And then they, it, it, you see it land and you see the entire front end buckle and get like, like fucked up. And like you can tell that they fucking wrecked the car, but they they cut like way too late away to the next shot, and the car is perfectly fine. <laughs> it's like one of the funniest editing gags I've ever seen in like a TV show. It was so fucking funny. But um, yeah, like he fucking like one of the the two things that Jason Reitman said he envisioned before writing the script was a girl with a proton pack, and then the Ecto one drifting through wheat. And so those are two. Sure. Yeah. Um, I uh, well, so that sequence, uh, that little joyride sequence, was, um, uh, I believe that if not the first sequence of them like in Ecto One, trying to bust Muncher, one of those two got the applause break. Um, oh, really? It was so much fun. Oh, I bet, like, the, the, that whole Muncher sequence of them trying to catch his ass is, like, that was a great, now great sequence. Now imagine your seat moves. Yeah. Which I, like, I always had an idea for, like, a Ghostbusters movie, like, a sequence like that, where it's, mm-hmm. like, they're they're mobile. Because I was like, yeah, they got a fucking car. Why aren't they trying to catch something from the car? Yeah. Well, and I I'm, mean, you know, you could you could say that they sort of borrowed that from the Ghostbusters 2 video game. Where you get the drive vector one, uh, and shoot shoot slime to you know get bonus ups and kill ghosts. And this also happens in the real Ghostbusters. Obviously, with Winston, he's got a scope on his uh, yeah his neutrino wand. Uh yeah, but that whole the whole that whole sequence is great. I think Josh Gad did a great job playing Muncher. <laughs> so no stupid. comment. A lot of people, uh, yeah, apparently were outraged by that. I'm like, fucking, you can't tell it's him. It's a goddamn... Anyway. Remember your theory that you thought Tracy Letts was going to play Muncher? I don't recall that at all. Well, Next. that's in an episode somewhere. Uh, yeah, I thought... Well, I, okay, so I, I remember seeing the headline, but I didn't actually like read it, much less read the article. I thought Gad just re- like recorded the sounds of Muncher. I don't know. I think okay. I just read the headline. I don't. He, I don't think he played him. Yeah, I don't like, think he did the mocap for Muncher. No, that was uh, that was Ang Lee. They used the <laughs> the same stuff from Hulk. Anyway, where are we at? Yeah, the Muncher sequence is great, and then we go into. It was fine. I wish they did. They ever you correct me was, if I'm wrong. You thought it was fine. It was. It was a lot of fun. My another nitpick. Did they actually ever call him Muncher or no? I think they did. I think they did, yeah. I wish they didn't name him. They never named Slimer in, in the movie. Yeah, I think podcast calls him like a class four something muncher. Muncher, or something. yeah. Yeah. I was like, that's not 
That's not a classic ghost. Don't make shit up, podcast. Yeah. You're losing your credibility by the second podcast. I'm going to leave you such a bad review on uh, Apple Podcasts. I'm waiting uh, for... Uh, so Halloween has introduced podcasters. Ugh. Ghostbusters has introduced podcasters. Yeah. You think Dominic Toretto is going to start a podcast? <laughs> uh, I don't think he would start... I don't think Dom's the one that's starting a podcast. I think it would be Tej and... Uh, well, I can't think of it Roman, yeah. Mm-mm. Nope. No. It's uh it's Ramsey. Hmm. What would Ramsey's podcast be about? Driving. It'd be like a t- it'd be a, <laughs> it'd learning be a tech how to pod- drive. Yeah, learning how to drive. No, it'd be a tech podcast. Okay, I see that. Oh man. Yeah, th- and then it leads them back to the temple where they see Egon has constructed a device that crosses the streams. Oh, so cool. cool. I thought that was great. Yeah. That realization is like, oh, Egon, yeah, set this shit up. He made... Ah, it's just really awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, just... I just he, wish he could have communicated to his friends better. <laughs> Listen, okay. I mean, I really don't know what to say. And then they get ar- they get arrested. Slowly after that. Yeah, this is where they see the dates and whatnot. And Evo Shandor, J.K. Simmons, he's in the, uh, he's in the coffin. Yeah. And they get arrested by Sheriff Bokeem Woodbine, which, <laughs> yeah, that was, I guess that was just like an extended cameo or something. Cause it's just like, I just watch, I just think about how great he was in Fargo and I'm just like, why wasn't he a bigger role? Yeah. I mean, they were, they were definitely culling a lot from, uh, Fargo seasons, which is fine by me. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. If you're in two separate scenes, I, 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 I don't consider that a cameo. But I don't know. Maybe he'll be. He'll have a bigger role, you know, in future installments. Who knows? Yeah. And let's see. What do we got? Oh yeah. So then, then Phoebe calls the Ghostbusters hotline, in which thank God Ray still had the number. And that that sequel that was like that was an exposition dump, and that was like the only oh, time, I, big time. That's the only time I felt like okay, they could have done this better. But like, that's a lot of information that you have to, you know, give the audience. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot to get across there. Um, it's it's the whole time I'm thinking like, don't you even want to know who this is on the other line of the phone there, right? <laughs> that was the weirdest part about it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was yeah, it was a little ham. It was a long call. Yeah, very long. Oh, yeah, I love that. Uh, Vinkman is a, a marketing professor at the college, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense for him. Yeah, and then Winston, yeah, uh, owns a lot of real estate. That's that's the dude right there. And then Ray, Ray, yeah, Ray's exactly where you think it would be. But yeah. And then after that, they get out. I think what else? Oh yeah, this and this is the part where it gets like, okay, we're just redoing the first movie again at this point. We're blowing up another Death Star. Yeah. Which the sequence with uh, Paul Rudd in the Walmart 
was very mm-hmm. funny, I thought. Yeah. Uh, I liked <clears throat> the date, too. That the date was very good. As well. Every scene Paul Rudd was in was uh, was was great. Mm-hmm. I dare say uh, Paul Rudd's one of the best parts of this movie. He was my favorite. And uh, <laughs> I rewatched because they posted the clip today of him uh, confronting the terror dog. And I didn't notice that through all that shit, he was still holding the ice cream. <laughs> and then he finally chucks the ice cream at uh, old Vin's. Mm-hmm. In which, and then like sliding across the roof of the car into the car through the windshield, and then the, <laughs> the dog jumping on top of it, and then popping all the tires, and then just slowly falling. That was a good, yeah. good little bit. Good stuff. Good stuff. And then, yeah, and then Callie discovers the, the lair. lair. <laughs> Fuck off, <laughs> laboratory. And then finds the uh, Homer Simpsons do it for her, uh, <laughs> <laughs> do it for her uh, little photo thing. <laughs> and she realizes, like, oh, my dad did love me. And then she gets attacked by Zool. Yeah, uh, that's tough, buddy. Yeah, I do like how uh, they're like, oh yeah, they have to. I forget the word they use, but it's like make sex before Gozer can come back. And then mm-hmm. it's just Paul Rudd laid out on a rock with a flower in his hair. Yeah. That's <laughs> just funny. Oh, man. Um, let's see. They discover Egon's plan. Yeah. And then they go back and they go back and they suit up, baby. Mm-hmm. Which I like how they use Muncher to get uh, get to. That was very funny. That was that was good and clever. I liked that. Yeah. And, oh and, uh, man, uh, the. I mean, I know we've talked about this before, but the fucking remote control car trap absolutely ruled. Yeah, I don't know why you were talking shit about that sequence. It was a great sequence. Everybody I wasn't wrote. talking shit about that sequence. Stop that. <laughs> you it seemed like you're downplaying it. It was. A great I swear to God, Nick, don't you dare slander me. One of the on best scenes show. in a Ghostbusters movie. <laughs> Love that shit. This is. Uh, I think I've. I don't know. I, this is something I keep thinking about. But this was like, uh, the Monster Squad. This was yeah, like the Monster Squad. This movie, and I think that's why I loved it so much. One of the uh, reasons. The gunner seat in the. Uh, Ecto in the Ecto, uh-huh. um, the Ectomobile. Uh, do you think that was added uh, before or after Egon got to Oklahoma? I think it was added before. I was gonna say there would be no point for it. Yeah. Uh, once he got there, so we need a, we need a movie set in the early nineties. Yeah. Or they use that a lot. It's mainly Winston and his uh, neutron on one with a scope on it. Yep. Um, the trap, I feel like Egon probably made that in Oklahoma. Yeah. Well, no, it would probably, it would probably also be in New York. Cause there was a little door for it in Ecto one. Mm, yeah. Let's see. What are we, 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 where are we at? I'm sorry, listener. I'm very tired and I've only seen this movie once and it was four days ago. My memory's not as good as it used to be. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love how easy it was for them to enact that plan in which they just trap Gozer, or excuse me, trap Zool in a Ghostbusters, tra- in, a, in a trap. Yeah. 
I wasn't mad at it though, because at that point, like you know, we're, we are kind of pushing two hours, so yeah, I'm fine if we move this along. Yeah, um, I love how yeah the the running bit with Phoebe doing the jokes, the jokes I pre I was like the only one in the theater that appreciated the jokes. Yeah, I loved all the jokes. Yeah, see, my audience they like the jokes, and then um, yeah. <laughs> Are you goes or ask you, Phoebe, if she's there to be sacrificed? And her response is, I'm 12. I'm 12. Yeah, it's all good stuff. That's good shit. Yeah, I did, uh, yeah, this is like definitely uh, the most Spielberg <laughs> Ghostbusters movie. Yeah, I just feel like, yeah, Jason Reitman was just like a child of the 80s, so like just you know, throw everything 80s into this movie, which mm-hmm. I mean, we're all nerds who love the 80s, so of course yeah. we like that shit. We are him, he is us. Oh, let's see. Traps. Are, oh, yeah. Then they go back to the farm because they figure out that they need to use the traps in the like the whole farm is a trap. Which, uh-huh. by the way, I'm a sucker for models, so I love that Egon made a model of his farm. Same. Same. I love that the I love that the barn was a mailbox. Anyway, um, let's see. Then they figure out how to get the trap back, and this is the part of the movie that is weird to me. When the guy, sh- when the, when the, when the, uh, as E Entertainment refers to them as the OG Ghostbusters show up, it kind of felt off to me. I think it was mainly because I've been spending two hours with all these, these new characters mm-hmm. and I got to know them so well that it was kind of, kind of threw me off when the old ones returned. Yeah. It, it did kind of feel like, like reshoot almost. You yeah. Yeah. But it obviously wasn't. It wasn't. But yeah, it was. Yeah, just I. I agree. It did kind of, kind of come out of nowhere. Yeah. Which I thought they were going to show up at the temple or something like that. But then, yeah. But the farm makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I do. Um, by the way, Gozer with only half of a spirit or whatever looked really, really cool. Yeah. Um. And then yeah, so. Yeah, let's talk about the original Ghostbusters showing up. I mean, yeah, it was just kind of off, but still, like you could see the magic was still there. Mm-hmm, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, it hit the, it hit the, the, um, you know, the uh, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher notes that you know, Force Awakens did. Yeah, that you know, you wanted them to. Yeah, uh, you, I, what the the one thing that that needed to happen was Ray needed to be asked if he was a god. <laughs> like as soon as like Ray stepped up, <laughs> I leaned forward in my seat. Yeah, and like it was weird. It was like no one else in the theater knew what was was what was about to happen. Yeah, <laughs> um, that was that was <laughs> fucking excellent. Yeah, um, and then. Uh, the only other thing in the movie that was like very Ghostbusters two to me was after like they get their like you know shit wrecked by Gozer. Mm-hmm. Um, when Pete is just kind of like mono- like just fucking distracting Gozer. Yeah. Um, the same way he kind of like distracted uh Vigo when they were on the ground in Ghostbusters two. Mm-hmm. Um, with just basically like you know. <laughs> Doing an improvised monologue, <laughs> yeah. doing a, a quick little roast set on Gozer, um, you know, which was uh, which was funny. It was fucking funny. Yeah, 
I mean, <clears throat> even they said that like they went back and let Bill like of course Bill Murray improvised. Yeah. Improvised stuff. And then apparently, yeah, Dan Aykroyd did to, at a certain extent. Well, I don't yes. know if you know this, but um, they're they're both uh, uh, former students from the Second City really? uh, Training Center. Yeah, where uh, at? which is uh, in Chicago. Well, one uh, I believe uh, uh, Aykroyd was Toronto, and then he came to Chicago. Mm. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh well, you know that's what I'm here for. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I just love that uh, those two guys are like front and center at the fucking uh, Second City Training Center, like in that yeah. fucking wall of headshots. Yeah. It's like, oh, who was here? The weirdest headshot when I first went to Second City, I did not know this, but I was like, is that fucking Alan Arkin? And then that's when, that's when I found out, yeah, Alan Arkin went through fucking Second City. Yeah, he was like one of the first. Yeah. I went, uh, uh, he made a movie, like directed a movie called Little Murders I watched recently. It's like one of the only two things he's directed. It's like the first movie he directed, and it's fucking funny. It's dark, but it's funny. It stars Elliot Gould. Okay. It came out in the 70s, so you know, Elliot Gould, comedy, 70s, you know it's going to be gold. Love it. Um, so let's get to the Egon of it all. Yeah. I was very clear and on the record. Um, and I called the shot. Yeah. I said, they're going to have Egon as a ghost in this movie. Which, like, of course he was. But uh, here you saw him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and they're going to, yeah, they'll do the thing that, the, you know, the movies can do now. And they'll probably just, you know, uh, piece together some old dialogue to make new dialogue or whatever. You know, something like that, which they didn't do. And... So, to be clear, I'm still not wild about the fact that they did that. I don't feel like the movie needed it. I know that's what made everybody cry. But I feel Mm -hmm. like even if you didn't have that and didn't have, like, every single person in the movie have, like, a one-on-one moment with Egon, I feel like that when Four Herald comes up, that would have gotten people. Mm -hmm. That would have gotten people just the same. Yeah. Um... I think what helped and what somehow made it like easier for me to kind of digest is the fact that he didn't talk. Yeah. Um, which is like, you know, kind of, I don't know what the real fucking difference is, you know, but like for whatever reason it made a difference. I'm still not over the moon that they did it. I don't think it needed it. I was kind of, uh, if you're gonna do it, which they always fucking were, um, I feel like that's that's the best. That's the best. That's the best way it ever could have gone down. The um, yeah, they did it the best they could. I thought the I, yeah, I was the the weird uh, uh, the reveal of it when Phoebe's like they're they're you know they're going full stream crossing the streams getting mm-hmm. a gozer, and then they cut to like they go down the line. Of all the Ghostbusters, then you get to Phoebe and her hands like wrapped. It's like, you know, yeah. Egon's ghost helping her. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I, I just went, eh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kind of had that moment, but I was like, you know what? And then as the, as it progressed, like once I get once I got over my initial, you know, kind of mm-hmm. unease. But as it progressed, I was like, okay, this is very tasteful. 
This is very, this is the best this could go. Like, like I said earlier, they like one of the first people they went to was his family. Right. Yeah. And get his, get their approval. For sure. Which I still haven't read. I just found out about this, but um, Harold Ramis's daughter mm-hmm. wrote a book about, oh. um, which I need to read. It's got, I think it's called like Ghostbusters Daughter or something like that. But I need to, it's on. I definitely need to read that. Um, because yeah, she's in all the interviews. Like I don't know they what was it the movies that made us they interviewed her and which mm-hmm. um all all the stuff with her was very um I really enjoyed it. So I'm pretty sure the book's gonna be just as good. Um yeah, so that was yeah it was definitely the best thing. Was the, that was the if way they were to, gonna do it, it's the way to do it. It's the way to do it, yeah. Um, yeah, I was very moved by that part with uh, you know, her hugging Egon and him going going away to the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Which I'm, yeah, I'm glad they uh, they didn't uh, cartoon up his ghost because you know <laughs> it like he looked like an actual like how a you know a person would look. Cause, you yeah, know. <laughs> and he wasn't like a slimer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is like, because they were floating about the idea that, like, they're talking about making a third Ghostbusters movie. And then Bill Murray was like, well, the only way I will do it is if I'm a ghost. And so I just imagine, like, a cartoon-ass ghost being voiced by Bill Murray. <laughs> Which, that's, whenever he said that quote, because he said it in multiple interviews, I was yeah. just like, yeah, that's that's how you would do that. But, like, with, you know, an actual person who passed away, that's how you need, should have done it. Right. Um, what else? It kind of, uh, so then after they had their moment, they say goodbye to Egon and he goes, he goes to the afterlife. The, everybody has their little moments with everybody. Like Bill's talking to, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, I know, I know Ray has a moment with podcast. Yeah. I know Winston has a moment with the car. Yep. <laughs> In which Winston says, "Yeah, I'm gonna take. I'm I'm taking this. By the way, like looking around at everybody, I'm taking this car. Yeah, that uh, the whole them taking it back to New York and then it ends with that was kind of weird because like it doesn't really it sets up a sequel, but it doesn't feel like it sets up a sequel with these characters they introduced. You know, I feel like it sets it up enough. It yeah. sets up. It's open ended enough to where." You have the set dressing for a sequel, but you can be, you got wiggle room to do whatever you need to do. That's true. Um, I, uh, well, the one last um, kind of nitpick, critique, I guess uh, I'll have of this, because I liked, uh, I liked the mid credit scene with uh, 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 Sigourney Weaver. Um, that was fun. That was just like pure, just fucking fan service. I love that um, uh, Vinkman is wearing the same shirt he was wearing when he met her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, the 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 post credit scene. Um, it's good stuff. I love that they used the deleted scene with uh, yeah, you got on Janine. That was nice. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's it's just yeah, it's open up. It's open just enough up. Um, you know whether or not like it, they bring all the kids out to New York and you know, you got Winston bankrolling the whole thing and you got, you know, uh, 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 Ray kind of b- teaching them how to bust ghosts. And frankly, you don't like, I'm fine. If Bill Murray's not in the next one, 
Like, I don't know what role he would play. Um, and I doubt he'd want to do it. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Um, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, the, the last, the last nitpick I, well, I will say about this movie is much like we kind of critiqued answer the call for, uh, sort of being a victim of, of the comedy of its time. Um, th- I, I could levy the same accusation for this movie um, being not heavily, but at many times very influenced by a lot of the critiques of like big action movies now, um, mostly like Marvel movies, uh, that, you know, uh, like the, uh, comedy in a movie isn't something wild and crazy happening. And then your character going like, whoa, that was crazy. Oh, the, the Joss Whedon effect. The Joss Whedon effect. Yes. That's what I, I took f- a paragraph to say. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which like, as I was like thinking that in the theater, it's like, yeah, there's kind of a little bit of that in here. Um, Paul Rudd comes out of, uh, his demon dog, uh, uh, st- uh fucking char, mm-hmm. charred remains and goes, well, that was weird. <laughs> It's like, ah, come on, man. I, my legs hurt from galloping. <laughs> that was funny. That's a yeah, that's a good line. Yeah. You didn't need the that's weird. Yeah. That's all. Well, in the same breath I can say Rip Moranis didn't need to say, no, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Somebody turn on turn the lights. lights. Somebody help that little guy. Yeah, that's uh I think that's my main gripe with this movie is that it's not as funny. Right. Which I feel like we knew was going to be the case. But like at the same time, you're not making. Let's see. All right. So Ghostbusters was you're making comedy with the funniest people in the world at the time. Yeah. Same thing could be said about answer the call. Yeah. Which was a very funny movie. It's a funny movie, but like, it is, right. yeah, as we've said, it suffers from the lotorama. Yeah. They gotta, yeah, they, they've still yet to really, really, really strike that balance of the first two. Yeah. Um, you know, which, you the know. First, it, the first two, this is what the first, the formula for the first two was. Yeah, you're right. Write a script, and then don't give that script to Bill Murray. <laughs> Let him make up everything, and then you got a fucking funny movie. All right, so here's what we got to do. Mm-hmm. We got to send Finn Wolfhard to Second City. Oh. Uh, and then we got to get the weekend on the soundtrack. Yeah. This is the two things we need to do. That was funny because I was, uh, as I was, I've talked about this with friends, but uh, I haven't, obviously I haven't spoken with you about it. As soon as the movie started, Phoebe's doing her science stuff with the electricity and whatnot. I'm like, all right, Egon. Mm-hmm. And then they get to. They get to the farmhouse and all that stuff. Wolfhard's cracking wise. Mm-hmm. He's the Vinkman. Podcast shows up as nerding about everything. He's the Ray. Mm-hmm. And then Lucky is just kind of there, to be honest, to be the love interest. So she's yeah. the Weston. <laughs> um, There's another thing I was going to say about this movie. I forgot what it was. Oh, 
Um, something that made me go, oh, that's a cool way to solve a logic problem, was when they trapped Zool, and then Carrie Coon was able to come back, mm-hmm. and then they were like, oh, we need two terror dogs. Who's gonna, who's Zool gonna possess, possesses Lucky, so she could be the dog and be charred up with Paul Rudd yeah. while Carrie's having that scene with Egon's ghost. I was like, oh, that's such good yeah. screenwriting right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway, pretty nice. Yeah, I thought it was a solid, pretty solid script, solid movie. I mean, obviously, there's some nitpicks, but yeah, I thought it was good. Uh, The second applause break was for when the original Ghostbusters came on screen. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. I just, another thing that was just weird about that moment was like, it kind of seems like you're watching a play because they're like on the side and like, you're watching a play and like somebody says something and like uh people on one side of the, the audience can see them clearly and other parts can't. That's what it kind of felt like to me because I was like, that oh, that is them. Okay. Anyway, I don't know if it was because it was lit weird or what. Yeah. But yeah. Um what do you want to rate this? Um I'm gonna rate it three streams. Okay. I think I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go, I've been thinking four, so I'm going to go with four. I wouldn't cross these streams. I would put it on the, uh, okay, so like I said, it's the best filmmaking wise, but yeah, the first two were a lot better, so I would put it at like a little bit less than, than Ghostbusters 2, mm-hmm. so yeah, so yeah, obviously Ghostbusters 1. Two afterlife and then answer the call. That's how I rank them. Oh, man, well, rip. I guess this will be the last episode of this season because I'm, if I'm being honest, I'm tired of podcasting. <laughs> I thought you said you liked the character. I like the character. I'm tired of doing it. That's why Logan Kim is replacing me on the podcast. Oh, y'all, all right. So y'all gonna go through all the? Uh, I, don't, I don't. What's a fucking franchise? I don't know. Y'all are going to go through all the Rockies. Which, by the way, um, Rocky vs. Drago is on iTunes to rent. Slash buy. I don't know if you want to watch Slash Stallone's director's cut. <laughs> okay. Okay. Anyway. I don't know that I do. Really? Based off of what you uh, sent me. <laughs> yeah, I saw that hour and a half long video of... I didn't even watch it. I just sent it to you because I knew how much you love Rocky IV. <laughs> Which I feel like people should do more often. People. If you know somebody likes something, just send them something. Anyway, that's what I do. Um, alright, well, how are we going to end this episode? Are you trying to find a quote? (laughs) Uh, well, if you want to find me, uh, at Rich Cammy on Twitter and Instagram, and then the Whack Pack Live is on a hiatus right now, but I'm still... You know, still ripping some stuff. Uh, a lot of more modern day sports cards have like these redemptions that have an expiration date. Because like, oh, we weren't able to get so-and-so to like sign this autograph card uh, by the time we had to get these out. So here's really? a redemption. Yeah. And so like send this back to us by, you know, like two years from now. And hopefully maybe we'll send you something back. Um, so I'm like opening some of the newer stuff up just uh, in case off chance I actually get one of those. Um, so I'm still posting stuff at the Whack Pack Live on Instagram, but yeah, aside from that, that's me. That's you. Um, 
All right, so Rotten Tomato. Whoa, I, I'm looking at this. Sorry, looking at Ghostbusters Afterlife. Googling it because I'm trying to find quotes. IMDb, 7.8. Rotten Tomatoes, 62%? Yeah. Metacritic, 45 What was that 95% you were talking about earlier? Audience score. Oh. Yeah. It's a fucking crowd pleaser, man. It's a great movie. I don't know why. I don't know what's up with these slobs on Letterboxd hating on the movie. Anyway. Oh, we didn't ask you. Uh, did the Spider-Man trailer have 40X? Did it feel like you were on the ride? It did not. <laughs> it did not. <laughs> That's horrible. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for us. I'm Nick Lathan. Follow me on at Nick Lathan at Instagram. I am on hiatus from social media right now because I got to get work done. Trying to get some writing done. Trying to get some reading and writing done. Rip. I'm debating on whether or not to just not watch uh, television for a month. How do you feel about that? There's nothing that good on right now. Yeah. I started, uh, speaking of Paul Rudd, I started uh, The Shrink Next Door on Apple I watched Plus. The, I watched the first episode. I I was out by the third episode. Just, really? Yeah, it's just a tough hang. It's uh, also just like, yeah, yeah, it just, it just tonally was just not there. Um, another question I was going to ask you. Also, like, I went to go watch the next episode and I saw it was like 49 minutes. I'm like, nah, fuck, I'm out. Oh, I've been, the, uh, I've been watching Cowboy Bebop and each episode is like 40 mm-hmm. something minutes. And, um, like I watched it with Regina and it's, uh, weird cause they, they're bringing in the syndicate. I don't know if you watch Bebop. Anyway, there's a syndicate in the anime that's only in like five episodes. And mm-hmm. so far, I've watched three episodes. They're in every single episode. I'm just like, I don't know about this. Mm. Anyway, because each episode is like a slice of life and being a bounty hunter. That's, that's what I love about the anime. And now it's like they're trying to have like a an arc. Oh. Yeah. Kind of weird. No. The only things uh, that are good on right now are Survivor and The Great British Bake Off. And um, I don't know. Go watch the last season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Those are the best things I've watched recently. Curb has been great. Um, I am uh, making my way through Curb because I've I've never seen them all. So well, I haven't watched this past Sunday's episode, but uh, yeah, it's been yeah. funny this season. I'm in season Spe- seven right now. Speaking of HBO, uh, you sent me a picture of it. Did you watch Sneakers? I did. What do you think? It was fine. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> was fine <laughs> eat shit uh i do know what you're talking about with the score though it's such a perfectly 90s score like uh, it, it is it is a 90s ivan reitman score uh, uh yeah james horner i've got to do it started doing a bit with like friends with movie night we'll watch a movie and if james horner does a score i'm like James Horner, he did the score for Sneakers. That's the same sentence I say every time. Anyway, I love James Horner. Rest in peace, James Horner. One of my favorite composers. All right, Rip, well, I'm going to let you go because I feel like uh, we need to go. So do you have a quote? There is no mom, only Zool. (laughs) Goodbye. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.